0: The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 18. Hello again, I'm Ryan Gray, your host, back with you for another session of the Medical School HQ Podcast, the podcast about medical school, where we take you through the pre med process, medical school, and even through residency. We're here to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. Today, I have a guest that I probably could have done this myself, being uh, in the Air Force myself and going through the Air Force Health Profession Scholarship Program, the HPSP program. I could have uh, talked about the scholarship myself, but I wanted to talk to somebody that is currently recruiting medical students for the scholarship, somebody that is actively involved with the day-to-day operations and and knows the current process and the current money involved and everything else. So for that, I contacted the local Air Force HPSP recruiter here in, in my area of Boston. It's actually the same office that I commissioned in in 2005 a while ago. So today I have Tech Sergeant Satinsky. She's, like I said, currently the Air Force HPSP recruiter for the Massachusetts kind of New England area. And she's going to talk to us about what the Air Force is looking for uh, during the application process, the minimums that are involved with MCAT scores, GPAs, the maximum age that you can be and kind of everything in between. So if you're thinking about the Air Force Scholarship or if you just want a little information about what it's about, this interview is for you. Before we jump to the interview, Session 17, which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash session 17, involves the MCAT prep with the Princeton Review. And just to remind you, through May 2nd, 2013, they were kind enough to give us a $250 off promo code to use. And that promo code is MedSchoolHQ250. Again, MedSchoolHQ250 is good for $250 off the MCAT Ultimate Classroom or Live Online course. So thank you, Princeton Review, for that. So let's get to the interview with Tech Sergeant Satinsky. We begin by talking about what the scholarship program is all about
1: uh sure um what it is is uh kind of twofold it's it's you know both to benefit the air force and also to benefit the medical school student um in in a way it benefits the air force because we can essentially grow our own physicians um we can forecast years ahead of time you know what we'll have available within our healthcare network within reason Um, And then for the student, what it does is it provides um, a way to relieve the financial burden of medical school. Uh, For one, obviously it's a scholarship, so it's going to pay for all of their medical school and and quite a few other things that come with medical school, uh, as well as pay them a monthly stipend. It tends to go up every fiscal year with the cost of living. Uh, Right now it's $2,122 a month. Um, And and that will go up until they, they enter residency. And then at that point in time, they would be commissioned as a captain and, and the pay scale would change uh, completely.
0: Okay. So scholarship pays for tuition, gives them monthly stipends. What about books and other fees? Well, that
1: would be the other things that, that go with medical school. So it'll pay for, you know, um, it's a reimbursement for your, for your books um, as well as most fees associated with the school um, and then the medical insurance that is a part of the institution. So they're not covered under the Air Force's medical insurance. They're covered underneath the insurance for the college that they're attending.
0: Okay. What um, What are the uh, payback? Um, uh,
1: the obligation?
0: The obligation. Yes, that's the word I was thinking yeah.
1: of. Okay. Yeah. So the obligation depends on the duration of the scholarship that um, that they get. So um, and, and I always talk about the scholarship like people can just have it. But just for the record, it's an application process. Not everyone is selected. So um, but if, if you are selected for a four year scholarship, it's a four year payback. And then it's after completion of residency. So um, while the time they serve in residency counts towards something called the reserve service obligation or IRR time, um, which we can that's a whole other ball of stuff. Um, it would be four years on active duty after they finish a residency. Um, if they do a three-year scholarship or a two-year scholarship, it's a three-year payback. It's always going to be a minimum of three years on active duty. Um, and then one-year scholarships we do not offer.
0: Okay. So you say after residency, and yeah. I'll, I'll put a little asterisk next to that because I didn't yeah. do a residency. I only did an right. internship. Yes. So you, you can be a general medical officer um, yeah. and only have your internship and start paying back your time once you start working.
1: Absolutely. And then in in that case, um, you know, that internship year, that one year would count towards your RSO. Then you would do your four years of active duty. And then you, at that point in time, could be discharged. Um, And then you would have the remainder uh, of the contract, the extra three years in the um, IRR.
0: Okay. So So, it's
1: always going to be eight years, no matter how you slice it. It's just some of the time is on active duty and some is in the inactive reserve.
0: Okay. So let me throw a curveball at you. Sure. If I went into neurosurgery, which yeah. is a seven-year residency, yes. do I owe any more time because that's much longer residency?
1: Yes, you do. Um, there's a couple residencies that go outside of the normal, what you would call normal residency length of like 36 to 48 months. Um, you have basically your internship year and then an additional four years. After that five-year time period, you're going to start incurring a year-for-year obligation. Um, And so if you went for a seven-year residency, you would incur an additional two years um, obligation on the end of your contract. Okay. And that would be something you would be aware of when you were doing the residency match. They don't make it a secret um, because it it all has to be part of your contract.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the application process. You said not everybody gets the scholarship.
1: Correct. How many scholarships
0: are there a year?
1: Oh, um, it varies, you know, anywhere from like 350 to 450, somewhere around there. Um, and, and it's a different amount for the, for the, for the year. So we'll, we'll always have more four year scholarships than we will three years. And we'll always have more three years than we will two year scholarships. So, um, it's, I don't want to say it's on a first come, first served basis, but we do have a tendency to select more people in the earlier boards in the year um, to ensure that we'll start, you know, getting to where we need to be as a force. And then as the boards go throughout the year, they start to get more and more competitive when we have less and less positions remaining. But regardless, there's always going to be non-selects on every uh, board—people who met the application criteria, and so they were allowed to apply, but. For whatever reason, the board um, determined that they were not someone they wanted to select.
0: Okay. So a a rolling admissions process or a rolling uh, acceptance process.
1: Yes, sort of. (laughs) Uh,
0: If there are 350 to 450, and is that just Air Force or is that total Uh, Air Force, Army, Navy?
1: Oh, I have no concept. uh, I mean, I know a little bit about... Like, um the Army and Navy Scholarships, but not enough to speak intelligently on them. I wouldn't wanna say that I know exactly how they, especially with their residency. I know the Armys is very similar to ours, but the Navy's is very different from what I understand okay um so
0: okay, um but just to let people out there listening they there are the the three services Air Force, Army, and Navy all offer the scholarship. It's, yeah, it's all under the same kind of DoD yeah. guidance, but there's variations um, on what each service offers for the scholarship.
1: Right. The, the basically, what the takeaway is that the compensation is the same. So when it's a it's a DoD scholarship, you know, in a way, so the money won't be any different. Whether you do the Navy, the Army, or the Air Force, the stipend will be the same. Um, The payment for your tuition is going to be the same. Where you're going to see differences is how they do their residency match and and also in the payback. You know, sometimes um, from what I've heard, and again, you know, please fact check me on this because I'm not entirely sure. Um, The Army requires a little bit of a different payback than we do. You know, they literally go year for year after three years for the residency. So you might see a little bit more time owed. And the Navy, I really can't speak on it. I'm not sure. I, but financially, same exact amount that they will be paid.
0: Uh, okay, so let me ask you this. And again, uh, maybe a little asterisk. The sure. s- uh, several years ago, the DoD wrote in the option each service could offer a signing bonus. Yes, I know the Air Force doesn't do it, but we the do. Army. And-
1: oh no, we have a signing bonus.
0: So you are giving the signing bonus.
1: Yes, sir. We absolutely
0: ah. are. Can I get yep. that retroactively? Uh,
1: I don't think so, but you know, you do get to fly. There are some benefits. You okay, get.
0: so you, you are offering yeah. the signing bonus. I did not know that.
1: Yes, um, for four-year scholarships. Now, so it's automatic for a four-year scholarship to get the signing bonus. For a two-year or a three-year individual, they do not get offered a signing bonus. However, if they would like to extend their contract to four years, then they do become eligible for the bonus, and so for people who are thinking about maybe doing a longer residency, um, where they're going to incur that time anyway, like we talked before, where they, you know you might end up owing an extra year or two, I encourage them to take you know, to extend it out to the four years and take the bonus because um, they may as well you know if they're going to end up serving for that, that amount of time anyway.
0: Okay. and the bonus is
1: twenty thousand dollars.
0: 20 grand. That would have been nice..
1: Yeah, me. I believe me. I would love twenty thousand dollars. Okay,
0: so so that's good to know. So signing signing bonus, all the services possibly are offering at Air Forces, definitely. Yes. Um. So when when does somebody apply? When they're when let's talk prior to med school. They're they're coming to you mm-hmm. saying, "I'm interested in the four year scholarship." Is this something they need to do when they're a sophomore, junior in college, or is this something they need to oh, wait for?
1: No, there's really not a whole lot I can do because I can't even tell them if they're qualified to apply without an MCAT score. Um, so until they get to the point where they've taken the MCAT and they're ready to start applying for medical school, that would be when they come and speak with me. Um, and and even for the purpose of doing the medical-physical Um, If they talk to me when they're a sophomore in college, they might be completely medically qualified. We do a physical, everything's fine. But if they don't end up applying until, you know, two and a half years later, now their physical has expired. Um, If we go to redo it, there may have been things that have happened in the last couple years that may make them ineligible for service. And so it's important to do it early enough that we have enough time to get their medical clearance taken care of but not so early that it ends up being a waste of taxpayer dollars because we're doing a physical for really no reason um, because we'll just have to do it again. So I suggest that um, if you're a senior in college and you know that you're going to be going to medical school the next year, that that would be the year that you want to engage with me. Um, And you want to do it as early in the year as possible um, so that we have time in the event that you need. Um, And you'll know about this, um, of course, but a surgeon just general waiver for your physical, um, which is much more common than people would think to need a waiver. It can take me three months to get a physical completed and cleared. Um, so I need that time. And that way, if you don't get cleared, you still have time to pursue other options, uh, and look for other ways to possibly, you know, fund your, your education. If that was something that you were maybe relying on.
0: Okay. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening would, uh, are going to have questions what are the health restrictions? And that's, oh, yeah. that's a whole another uh, several day long uh, yeah. conversation. But w- what I'll tell them, and, and obviously part of my job is knowing all these restrictions.
1: Of course, yeah. If,
0: if you go to Google, Google 48-123, go to Chapter 5, and those are all the restrictions. Yes. and And I'll put a link in the show notes so people can find it. It's a public document. You can search for it and find it. Perfect. Um, but that's, that's the Bible that I live by every day.
1: And, and it's important for people to remember, even if they see something on there that they may have, it doesn't mean they can't come in. It just means that we may need to apply for a waiver. Now, some of those things are unwaverable. Um, but especially for the medical core, we tend to get a lot of waivers approved that you would not see approved for an enlisted person, um, or someone trying to come in on a, a typical commission. Um, so it's always best to look at it and then just fact check it, you know, um, through someone who actually works, you know, with the medical clearances.
0: Okay, great. So let's talk about somebody that takes the scholarship, accepts it. Yes. They're, they're commissioned as a second Lieutenant right away. Yes. What do they do next?
1: They, uh, well, it depends on the schedule for their medical school and what year they are in school. What we like to do is send them to COT in the summer, and COT is commissioned officer training. Um, It's a combination of basic training and a leadership school. Um, You could speak, I'm sure, very well on COT as you've been to it. Um, But essentially, that's what we want to do. We want to send you to COT, and it's about 45 days. Um, but we can't always. Sometimes school schedules don't allow it, and we'll we'll never interfere with the um, the actual schedule for your medical school. Um, so we may defer it out, you know, to the following summer. But that is generally the thing that we like to do first: is send you right to COT and get that taken care of.
0: Okay, so commissioned officers training. Um, I, I like to call it boot camp with maids.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's It's it's, a kinder, gentler. It is. Um,
0: It is very kind. Um, And that varies. Sometimes, sometimes it's rough. Sometimes it's not, but.
1: They've, um, you know, there've been some changes over the years, but really what it comes down to is that, you know, as a, um, you know, as for the, for the individuals that go, you know, chaplains and our, our medical corps. Um, it's, it's just a different part of the service. You're non-combatant for the most part. And so it's, it's just a different type of basic training. We want to make sure that you know what you need to know to be in the air force. Um, but at the same time, you're not going to fail COT. You know, we, we don't invest, um, time and money into people. And we certainly won't turn away health professionals because of their performance in, in COT. So it's, it's to be i think it's to be looked forward to you know as an opportunity to introduce yourself to the air force as opposed to an intimidation thing like some people might think
0: yeah i'd agree i i had a um kind of a a revelation while I was down there and and none of my family is military and so when I got down there and saw military life and learned some of the the values of the military and and what yeah. we're doing it it kind of Opened me up a little bit more to accepting it uh, more as a career than just four years and I'll take my money. See you later.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. And that's why I try and explain to a lot of my applicants is that this is a very, um, you know, intangible process. And so sometimes it gets really hard for you to identify with what you're committing to. It's such a big commitment. Um, and, and if you don't really have any experience with the Air Force or the military in general, it can be, you know, something of movies or which, whatever you've been exposed to. And so um, I think going to cot is one of the best things ever because it, it lets you, you know, kind of mingle with other people who are doing the same thing as you, you know, who have, who have taken the same oath. Um, and who are looking forward to the same type of careers you are of service, as well as, you know, being a physician. Um, and then it just lets you, you know, kind of know, you know, why do we wear the uniform? What do we wear it for? And, and what are you really doing this for?
0: Okay. And let me just, I, I'm talking a lot about some of my own experiences, right? Right. Right now I am speaking as civilian Ryan Gray, not Air Force uh, Captain Gray. So uh, no None of my opinions are of the the DOD or the Air Force or anybody else. Oh, so.
1: that goes without saying. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, okay, so you, you just mentioned the commitment part. So yes. what, what if I signed up for the scholarship, I am two years into medical school, I've gone through COT and uh, maybe spent another summer doing something else with the Air Force, right. and I have a total change of heart. And don't want to do the military, don't want to do anything with the Air Force. Wh- what are my options at that point?
1: Um, well, you know, that for one, like I can't say what they all would be because that's done through AFIT. Um, and so my portion of this journey, if you will, is just to get to the, the person to the point of being commissioned. And once they're commissioned, we hand them off to AFIT or the Air Force Institute of Technology. And so it is part of the contract, and they do lay it out, you know, what um, the possible things are. But ultimately, AFIT would be the organization that would handle that and would have the final say. For the most part, in my experience, and again, things could be different than this, but in my experience, if you just change your mind, at that point in time, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it becomes a legal thing, but... It's not something where you can just walk away. You're in a contract. Um, so you're definitely going to have to pay the money back for sure, you know, unless something changes. But um, I have never known anyone that's done that. So um, it's really difficult for me to speak, you know, with authority as to what AFIT would do about that. Uh, I would hope that that wouldn't happen, you know, but. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe you've seen it happen before. I'm not. I, maybe you know someone who's done it, and maybe you can speak about what would happen with them. Um, but I've never had someone who got that far in the process and then turned around and, and didn't see it through. Uh,
0: I've only heard tales of other people doing it. I don't know anybody firsthand knowledge that it has tried it. Um, right. But yeah, no, The the one story that I did hear was the the person was able to to get out of it, but did owe a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think, I mean, I think even with medical conditions and, and again, I I can't say for certain, I would, it would have to be something that would be consulted through JAG, um, and through AFIT for an official, you know, answer on that. Um, but I'm almost certain there's very few circumstances where you can walk away from the scholarship and not have to pay back all of that money, Yeah, which at that point in time would be quite a bit, you know, once you're two years into it, because we I mean, it adds up. You start adding in the bonus and everything else, and um, and, and it can be quite a bit of money. Yeah. Okay. So we, we hope that people know what they're getting into before they do it so that stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um,
0: we mentioned some of the health <laughs> uh, restrictions and requirements. Is there an age requirement?
1: Uh, yes. Um, We really like to, um, you know, for, there isn't necessarily for a fully qualified physician. I mean, there are always age restrictions, but there are always waivers. So it's complicated in that, yeah, you'll see something in black and white in a regulation, but that doesn't mean, you know, on a case-by-case basis that we may not be able to get a waiver approved. But generally speaking, we like to commission people for the MCHPSP program prior to their 35th birthday, and we would like to have them Finish medical school you know by the time they're thirty nine so that would be the the later stages of what we're willing to go to, but I find it very rare to um, encounter anyone who's starting medical school and interested in our scholarship that is past that age what's I've the, never needed to apply for a waiver for anyone
0: okay, so that would be that was my next question is whats yeah, the oldest so, person you've seen go through
1: no i mean thirty two maybe. Okay. I I get twenty eight year olds that are are just terrified that they're too old to go to medical school, but um, but then you read you know about people going to medical school in their forties and you realize that you know I mean you're never too old to do something that you want to do to right. pursue a passion. So
0: forties, fifties, and even sixties sure. now. Uh, a a large part of my community is the non traditional student that is a career changer. Oh, okay. And so I have uh, a lot of interaction with them and uh, talking to uh, somebody that runs the the oldpremeds.org website. I was was talking to him and he had mentioned that uh, I think uh, upstate New York medical school admitted a 63-year-old first-year med student. Wow. So it's never too late.
1: Yeah, I mean, some would, you know, some would argue you know, that you might not be able to have that long of a career, but realistically, if you think about day-to-day activity of a doctor, the things you can do in one day, um, e- even if you only did a couple years as a physician, that doesn't mean you wouldn't make a lasting impact, so you know, it's never too late.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're in medical school. We're happy with our decision. Now it's yeah. time to pick a residency.
1: Yes, the dreaded match. So
0: this this <laughs> always seems to be the biggest contention with applying for the military scholarship and the the fear of not being able to match in what you want to match in.
1: Right. And and realistically that should be a fear for anyone, whether they're doing the scholarship or not. I mean they have they call it a scramble for a reason. Um and that's not that wasn't created by us, you know, for people that don't match on the residency, but um, as far as our process goes, it's not um, its not perfect. I don't think anything is. And when, when you come into this program, of course, you know you're signing up for service. You are joining the Air Force. We care about what you want. We don't want you to be unhappy. If you're unhappy, you're not going to stay. And ultimately, the goal is to have everybody who comes in want to stay and make a career of it. Um, So we do our best to match everybody um, to something that they want. But just like with a civilian match, not everybody matches. Um, So statistics that I've seen, and again, I'm not, I can't say for sure that these are the latest fiscal year statistics, just my experience from what I've heard and seen um, is that, you know when you're going for the residency match and, and correct me if this was wrong if this wasn't how it went for you, because this is always a learning process for me. This seems to be the most complicated portion of the scholarship um,
0: it's It's I, the most complicated part of medical school
1: yeah, okay, there you go so um, but my my understanding of it is that um, everyone will you apply for the air force match first. our match happens before the civilian m d and d o matches okay um, so we have people apply on our match for at least one specialty um if not two um so apply for one or two specialties and um and those have locations but the locations are a separate thing um so apply for your one or two specialties and roughly 80 to 85% of people will match um and then you have your other 15% which don't match um now of those 85% that match when they're matching they're not just matching for the Air Force scholarship they're also picking the location. So when you start to pick the location of where you want your residency, it could be an Air Force residency or it could be a civilian deferred residency. So if you get matched, we're either matching you at that point for an opportunity to do an Air Force residency or a civilian residency. So what that means, the other, you know, 10 to 15%, they just didn't match to anything. Um, and so at that point in time, they're going to do their internship year and then reapply on the match. Now, if they reapply a second time and they don't get matched to anything, at that point, you're up for a GMO tour, um, you know, maybe flight surgeon, something along those lines um, to try and build yourself up a little bit to, you know, maybe apply for a match again. Um, And that is my understanding of how the residency match works. Am I close?
0: Um, Yes. Awesome. So,
1: (laughs) you you know, it's hard. It's really hard. When you haven't done the match, you know
0: yourself. Yeah. To understand the big I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Perfect. the The uh, statement about applying to the military match first is correct, but you are also concurrently applying to the heiress match as well. So you're applying military match and applying civilian match. Okay. And you are applying for whatever specialty you want. And the military one, you're obviously, you can choose multiple specialties. The heiress one, you can choose multiple specialties. The, the military match matches sometime in December. The uh, The regular heiress match, everybody knows, is mid-March. and And what happens typically is... You apply to the match, the the regular, the civilian match. You go on interviews and you get all excited. And it, it, this is my my scenario. Yeah, you know, sure. You're you're going through the interview process and interviewing uh, at different programs that you're interested in going to. And then December rolls around and the military match comes out and they tell you, okay, you've matched in your specialty at this military facility or uh, and that means that you need to pull out of the civilian match. They say right. once once you're accepted into that military facility, you need to that you're under contract, you need to pull out of the other match. Um, and it's it's not hard. You you contact Eris and tell him you need to withdraw your application. And uh, okay. that's not a big deal. The other option that you mentioned is they accept you for that specialty at a, def- a, a okay. civilian deferred residency which means okay you're accepted to be an orthopedic surgeon uh, emergency room doctor whatever it may be now go match in the in the civilian match and that's where you finish your interviews submit your rank list and actually match in march and you you go about your your business as a civilian for the next 3 to 7 years whatever it is um and that's that's pretty much it. Uh the other options you mentioned is you don't match in the military. Um in my specific case I applied orthopedics as the only thing I wanted and they said, "Yeah, you're you we're not accepting you for orthopedics. Go apply strictly for a 1-year internship." So that's what I did. Okay. So, so that that is the other option. I was that I guess 15% that that doesn't match and
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think, um, I think I forgot to mention as well that there are people who opt to just go into the GMO tour. Um, some people want to do that and they're not you know, necessarily interested in going into a specialty right away. So I don't want to, um, kind of put everybody in the same box. I think usually, you know, when we think about medical school, we think everybody wants to go to residency. Um, but once in a blue moon, I'll get somebody that'll come in my office and they just want to be a flight surgeon. Like that is what they want. Um, and so they're trying to find if there's a direct, you know, path to get right to that. Um, I'm still working on an answer for it, you know. Um, I believe you can, you know. Um oh, yeah. But, um, I, of course it'll always come down to air force needs. So it's really easy for me to say this year, like, okay, yeah, we have some GMO tours open, you know, we definitely need flight surgeons this year, but five years from now, you know, or four years from now when someone graduates medical school, I don't know. So I hate to make, like, I try and think of things in the long term, Um, and, and at that point it becomes difficult to predict, but, um, for the most part, most physicians that I have talked to, um, not only did they get something they were looking for, but most of the people they know did as well. So it's a scary process to kind of give up um, some of your say, but at the same time, it's part of service, you know, and that's that's the big picture is um, I'm, I'm try and tell all my applicants, not even try and tell them I do tell them all, you can't do this for the money. and I'm sure you can speak on this. Um, the money's great, it really is, and and it helps out a lot, and it can do a lot of things for you. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, if you're not interested in being a member of the air force, no matter what happens, you're going to be unhappy, you yeah. know, whether you have that money or not. So I think a bigger picture, we try and make sure you understand that you're coming in to be in the air force. You know, you're coming in to be a, a physician for the air force, not just a physician, you know?
0: Well said. Yeah. I uh, try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just mentioned uh something but now i totally forgot
1: oh, what sorry. it was
0: no that's okay um all the time <laughs> so let's uh i think end there okay uh, i think is there anything else uh any tips or any uh, final thoughts for the 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 pre med student that is looking to uh, apply for a scholarship
1: um not really any any tips per se, but what I would say is, you know, for a lot of people, um, they hear Air Force or they hear military. I don't want to just speak Air Force because I really feel like the other branches have a lot to offer as well. Um, and so I think sometimes people hear about it and they're instantly shy away. Um, and, and I would just say it might not be for everyone, but you don't know until you start looking into or start asking some questions. And so uh, the worst thing that'll happen is you'll get some information, you know, um, but the best thing that could happen is that it could open up a whole different career for you, you know, where you're, you're touching lives, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. Um, and, and that can be a really powerful thing that a lot of people get a chance to read about, but they don't get a chance to actually do, you know. And so you couple the scholarship with it and it really becomes a wonderful, um, you know, giving experience, you know, for someone who's looking to, you know, embark on, on that portion of the career.
0: Well, folks. I hope you got some great information today from Tech Sergeant Satinsky. I'll have a link to her email address if you want to ask her some questions. I don't think she'll mind me putting it in there. If you have any questions for us, I set up a new page at medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback where you can uh, get the information to call us or record a question right there on the website. All of the information that we talked about today you can find in the show notes at medicalschoolhq.net session 18. Make sure to join us here next time at the medical school headquarters.